This episode is brought to you by CTC Math. Well, hello everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Payment Life Practical. Well, the schools are starting back, and there are an awful lot of new homeschoolers in the mix this year. Yes, although I don't really want to think about school yet, because we do not start school till after Labor Day. That mm-hmm. is one of my rules. Right. And Summer must have a full three months. <laughs> well, and that's where it is in our home state in North Carolina. It's They don't start until like the last week of August, but... Um, I know the neighboring state of South Carolina, they start like August the 3rd or something crazy like that. So, anyway, it is the back-to-school season whenever that occurs. And um, one of the things which I think catches new homeschoolers by surprise is that the classroom you grew up in doesn't look like the classroom you are now teaching, does it? Oh, that's so true. And it really messes people up. Like, I remember one time being at a homeschool support group meeting. Mm-hmm. And a mom came in, and how she looked a mess. She was a wreck. Mm-hmm. And she's being a good homeschool leader. Right. I plopped down next to her, and I said, how's it going? And she said, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? Weren't you a school teacher? And she said, yes, I've taught public school for 15 years, but I'm dying. Mm-hmm. I said, well, tell me a little bit about your day. And she said, I don't know how you do it homeschooling all those kids. I've got four and I just can't manage this. And I said, well, tell me how it happens. What What do you do when you get up? She said, well, we get up and we have breakfast and then we go to our schoolroom. And I got four little desks from the schools mm-hmm. and I bought a chalkboard. It's mm-hmm. all really official. It's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, first I teach the first math lesson and then I teach the second math lesson and then I teach the third math lesson and then I teach the fourth math lesson and then they do their seat work and, and you know, Some days it's all we can do to get math done, and and it takes hours and hours and hours. Um, Yeah. I said, honey, let me tell you a little bit about our day. Um. And I explained to her that you do not need to teach seven separate subjects for seven different kids. Mm -hmm. You know, that a lot of things are taught separately just because it's convenient if you're teaching 38-year-olds teach all 38-year-olds together. Right. But if you have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, a Mm 4-year-old, there's no reason they have to be studying different things in history and in science. Right. You know, some things need to be on the child's particular level, but other things can be easily combined. In fact, there's a lot of advantages to combining them. Right. Well, you see, and and that's, that's an important principle, which... I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of folks because they think, well, I went through elementary school or high school or what, and I remember what it was like in our classroom and we just have fewer students, right? Well, no, because the way that an institutional schoolroom is set up is based on that model of I've got 20 to 30 children who are all the same age, but different skill levels, different, you know, abilities and, well, a lot of times they even group them by ability. Well, yeah. And so you know, they're trying to aim at one particular thing. We're going to teach all these kids the same thing. 
So, so their goal is their goals are going to be a little bit different because of the way they're set up as an institution, and you as a homeschooler are not. And so you have to look at it kind of with fresh eyes and say, all right, I've got a group of students who don't just have different abilities in the fifth grade, but I've got a first grader and a third grader and a fifth grader and a, a freshman in high school. How am I going to manage all of these different grades in the same period of time? Well, you need to completely rethink the way that school is done. Mm-hmm. Instead of sitting in a classroom and trying to teach everyone one level of something, then the next level gets taught separately. Mm-hmm. Think about, have you ever read the Little House on the Prairie books? That, when, that's required as a homeschooler. You must read <laughs> Little House on the Prairie, all seven books. Yes. They're really good. Yeah. And they're good for boys and girls. Right. Pa's a great character for your boys to emulate after right, and themselves right. after. But anyway, if you look at the way school was done, like when Laura was teaching, mm-hmm. she had all different grades in one room. Right. She had a one-room schoolhouse, mm-hmm. and she would call the first graders to her mm-hmm. and do something with them while everybody else was working on something different. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a plan for how you manage that to, to teach more in that way Mm-hmm. Than you do in the in the mass produced um, assembly line classroom that most of us grew up in. Okay. So right. so let me make sure you got the picture. What Laura would do is she would call the first graders up and she'd do a lesson with them. She'd already given a lesson to everybody else. Mm-hmm. They're all working. Then when she's done working in the first grade, she sends them to their seat to work and calls up a different level and right. works with them while the others are working on something on their own. And meanwhile, the and first so, graders are, are doing whatever followed what she taught them first right. thing in the morning. Right. So, this is the way our day would look. Right. We wake up in the morning, everybody mm-hmm. has chores. Mm-hmm. Everybody has chores. Somebody is supposed to be cooking breakfast, somebody's supposed to be rotating the laundry, somebody's picking up the house, somebody's feeding the dog. Everybody's got chores to do. Mm-hmm. And then we eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then we gather together for devotions because, as you told me many years ago, right? If you don't have time for devotions, you don't have time for school, right? And so, that that's first for everybody, right? Okay. And so we first we get our minds on the Word of God, and you know mm-hmm. I found that when we don't do that, mm-hmm. we have more behavior problems during the day. And yeah. I have more attitude problems during the day. So that is a. That's a good tip right there, especially if you've got a bunch of young kids that you're wrangling through this whole school thing to remember that the Lord's help is really important. Yes. So, okay. So we have devotions and then everybody either gets a list or already has a list uh-huh. and they all start working. Now the little kids, obviously I would have to, to walk them through things. So mm-hmm. I'm a, if we, if we had a first grader, I'd say, or a second grader, I'd say, okay, you come work with mommy, everybody else get busy. Mm-hmm. And they all do whatever they can do on their own. Right. And if the, if the other one is little, he might need some direction. You might say, okay, mommy wants you to work on this. Why don't you um, see if you can build me some words out of these magnets or something. Give uh-huh. him something to do. Right. Yeah, the little one. Get your little one next to you and say, okay, let's go over your math lesson. Mm-hmm. Now, a math lesson does not take an hour like it does in the schools. Oh, now, see, that is a critical point, that the schools have a fixed schedule so that each class period can interchange with a different one when you're moving from teacher to teacher. But 
if you're if your goal is to teach this one child the phonics lesson for today, that may only take a fraction of an hour. It might take five minutes. Yeah. It may take ten minutes. Because if I'm teaching a classroom of 30 kids, I'm going to have to explain that math concept in a bunch of different ways. Right. So that every child gets it. And then we're going to have to practice it a bunch of different ways so I can see who didn't get it and explain it some more. But, but if you if, can see that your child, that your class of one, is getting the concept and they understand it, you don't have to sit there and belabor it. No, you don't. In fact, no. one of my kids was really mathematically talented, and I would sit down to explain her the mm-hmm. lesson, and I'd say, the lesson's about this, and she'd explain it to me. I'd say, and, oh, And okay. then we could, I could give her some problems to do. We might do the practice to make sure she really understood it. Mm-hmm. I might give her the lesson problems to do, or I might say, you yeah, know, we got some extra time. Let's do another lesson. Yeah. And just give her one set of problems for the two or three lessons. Uh-huh. You know, it, you are not bound to do things exactly like anyone else. Because the goal is that your children learn, not that they perform a certain series of actions. Very crucially important understanding. And I it's a different mindset. That when we started. Well, and it's a different mindset, you know, because so much, let's be honest, so much of the educational establishment is we've got a bunch of boxes we have to check off. And hopefully those boxes represent useful knowledge that's gained and skills that are built upon. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be in your seat for seven to eight hours of the day and you have to go to these classes and your attendance is taken and all of the homework is turned in and everything is very much, you know, marking off a grid when really and truly maybe you could have done all of your schoolwork in three hours rather than seven hours Or if you up. have little kids, it might have been 45 minutes yeah. or an hour. That they could do their work. Okay. And so you get a child, you go through his lesson, you tell him what to do, and you sit him down to work on his seat work while you work with somebody else. So you kind of interleave them. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you, you weave them together. And so it really doesn't take a whole lot of my time at all. Right. And then when everybody's getting kind of antsy working on their own, I might say, hey, let's read, let's read our history or let's read our science. Mm-hmm. And we do... For history and science, let's talk about that after the break. We'll because I see the, we yes. need to talk about our sponsor. Okay, so we're, come back after break. We're going to talk about some practical things about curriculum choice and teaching style when you are teaching a whole bunch of different grade levels at once. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? Well, CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning favorably reviewed in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review. The lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way, not to the test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray, who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy to understand way and in only a few minutes at a time. Using a multi-sensory approach, having the combination of effective graphics and animation synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with practical assessment, even students who struggled with math are getting fantastic results. And the ones that were doing okay before now are doing brilliantly. Visit CTC Math today and start your free trial. That's CTC Math. 
Okay, so we're talking about teaching a whole bunch of different grade levels at once. And what what can you say about the curriculum? Okay, so mm -hmm. kids need to be on their own level when they're learning to read mm -hmm. and in math. Because that's very sequential. Yeah, those are very sequential. But there's no reason at all that they need to learn history separately than their brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, you can teach everybody history at the same time. We can all study the American Revolution, or we can all study ancient Egypt, or ancient Rome, or mm -hmm. the Middle Ages, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter. And if your little kid started school, mm -hmm. and he started while you're studying the Middle Ages, that's fine. He'll get around to study the, the ancients when you get back through, get back around to it. Right. And so we combine everybody under high school level mm -hmm. in history and science. Sometimes upper middle school are doing their own um, thing too. But there's huge advantage to that. It takes a lot less time for mom. Right. Why should I teach one child a lesson about the Civil War, one child a lesson about the ex time of the exploration, mm -hmm. one child about the Renaissance... And you're going to do the same thing with with different kids in different categories next year. That doesn't even make any sense. Mm -mm. Instead, we're going to all study the Renaissance, and the cool thing about that is we're all going to be interested in the same things at the same time. And you can do projects together. We can do you know, field trips. Mm -hmm. Like we hear that Leonardo da Vinci's diaries mm -hmm. are on display at the Museum of Art. Everybody's interested. Everybody has the background to benefit from it. Uh -huh. We all go together. Or if there's if you're studying the Revolutionary War that year, that's a time when you can go to visit one of the military history parks that's in the, on the East Coast. Right. So, yeah. And, like I remember um, <clears throat> in science, we mm -hmm. were studying swimming creatures. Right. And we were our family was making a mm -hmm. trip to the beach, mm -hmm. and we we saw a, our state aquarium on the way. We stopped and visited the aquarium. Yes. When we were walking on the beach, we found animals and and shells and got to research them. And it was all very organic and exciting to the kids yeah. because they'd all been studying it together. And so we had something in common when we were looking at these things. That's one of the neat benefits of homeschooling that it can, it can build a unity within the family because so much of it is an experience that you've shared. And it's, it's something that our family did. It's not, I went to this school and I had that teacher, but my brother had a different teacher. And then but, when you try to even explain it to your brother, he can't even understand what you're talking about. Right. Instead, you know, one of the ways that we make friends is the people that we have shared experiences with. Right. And so by doing this, you give your kids more shared knowledge, more shared experiences, and that's something that, that will help build their friendship together. You right. Know, even like literature, mm -hmm. your younger kids may not be able to read the same books as your older kids, but you can read aloud those same books and all the kids can benefit. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and you know, that... That comes into another thing, too, that there are curriculum and material that are really suitable for use for multiple ages. Like, I, okay, I really like the, the elementary grades for Apology of Science because mm -hmm. they're designed for K through 6 using the same books. And you have just different, they have different exercises or different projects for the primary school students versus the ones who are nearly in middle school. And you don't even, you don't even have to use the lab books. No, you don't. You, you, know, you can, but, you can just do hands-on stuff. I know we had a bunch of boys and they were totally uninterested in lab book stuff. Right. My girls more so, but you know, you can adapt to suit your family and build interest and 
excitement and learning across the family mm-hmm. in art, music, in um, in science, in history and geography and literature. Yeah. All those things. And that makes it much more efficient for you to teach. So, great. So, and so, and that's, so mm-hmm. I'm only going to work separately with each child on their math, uh-huh. on their phonics, their reading, their language arts. You know, I'm only going to work separately with, with each child on that. Uh-huh. And the older kids are only going to come to me, like the high school, upper mm-hmm. middle school kids are just going to come to you when they need to discuss something or ask a question. Well, so much of it, yeah. Because so much, when you get into the high school level, you're really almost, but not quite, to college level where they expect the student to read the book, to try to understand the book, to ask questions when they come to class. And you can you can start training your kids when they're in high school and being homeschooled to start thinking that way, to say, this education is for your benefit. Embrace it. Read it. Ask questions, try to understand it, and we'll walk through it together. Oh, that's a huge, you know, I, I worried that I wasn't doing my job uh-huh. when I was doing that. But yeah. instead, my kids told me when they got to college, they said, I am so thankful you made me responsible for my own education. Uh-huh. Because now I look at the syllabus and I do what the syllabus tells me to do. And my friends are drowning because they're not, they're not used to handling things themselves. Mm-hmm. They're used to everything being spoon-fed and everybody telling them exactly what to do. Yeah. They don't even know how to read a textbook. Mm-hmm. And our kids did a lot better in college because of the independence they'd had in high school. Right. In fact, the more independent our kid, one of our kids was in high school, the better he tended to do in college. Yeah, for, for exactly that reason. And, and, you know, we changed as we homeschooled for many years. There were, you know, we started out being much... Um, much more strict in our scheduling and in our bookkeeping and all the rest of that kind of thing. And as we grew as homeschoolers and as we saw how the process worked, we realized, oh, it doesn't have to be that that structured. I mean, it right. can be a much more flexible, as you said, organic. It could be something much more natural because our kids are wired to learn. Yeah, and it's a lot more fun, too, when you relax some, when you combine things, when you as a family do things. Like, I remember... We just amazingly had an opportunity to take our whole family to China for several weeks. This was yes. many years ago. Right. I tell you what, I booted our curriculum. In the months oh, gosh, before, yes. we found out at Christmas time we were going to China in April. Yeah. And I said, oh, we've got more important things to do. And uh-huh. I packed away my history and all, all that stuff. And we yeah. studied Chinese history and we studied Chinese language. Yeah. And we read, we read literature about China mm-hmm. because... This was a much bigger learning experience for my kids than making sure we finished the fourth grade literature program or whatever. That you know, yeah. have some perspective, folks. Well, yeah, it's like you know? it, it's like if if your family is relocating across country because of a job change or somebody's going to seminary or whatever, you know what? You've got a huge organic field trip right there. Yes. What is along the route? You know, yes. and and whatever natural thing is there or whatever historical thing is there. Or dad has a business trip. I remember us joining you on some business trips back when Mm -hmm. you were working as an engineer. Yeah. I remember you had to go to Boston for two or three weeks for training. Yes. And you called the hotel and said, you know, is there any extra charge to have my family? They said, no, certainly not. Because it was a business oriented hotel. So they didn't really care if you had kids with you. We had such a blast. Oh, oh my word. Gosh, y'all covered. Now I'm sitting in class. Dum dee dum dee dum. I'm sitting in a traditional class 
for training course. But Meanwhile, y'all, we're doing the Patriots Trail. You went Cape to the Cod you went to the USS Constitution. The Plymouth, you went Plymouth out Rock. to the to the Cranberry Fields. I mean, <laughs> we did it all. Yeah, you made a big field trip out of it, and it was man, it was fantastic. I was so jealous. And so, don't let your curriculum make you its slave. Instead, your curriculum is your servant. Right. And so you use the curriculum only so much as it benefits the child and the family. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we hope that if you are just embarking on this grand adventure that we call home education, that you're not going to be put off by the fact, oh, I've got multiple kids I've got to deal with. Yeah, that's fine. There's a way to do it and have a great time doing it. And it's way easier than you think. You know, I know you're worried. You're thinking, but what if what do they need to know about science in the fourth grade? Y'all, nobody cares. Nobody will mm-hmm. ever ask. Right. So talk to you next time. Yes. Okay. Look, if you've got any questions, please give us a call on our on our listener response line. It's at 919-295-0321. And leave us a note. Leave us a message there, and we'll try to get to it. But look, we appreciate you joining us and hope you'll join us again as we take biblical principles into the 21st century family. Until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.